0: Welcome to the Horizon Church Podcast. God is doing incredible things in Tampa. Learn more about us at horizontampabay.com. We hope you find today's message inspiring and encouraging. Let's dive in. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors here at Horizon, and I just want to start this morning by saying thank you to each and every one of you who are here this morning. Thank you for spending your Sunday um, morning here with us. I also want to take just a moment. Yesterday, we were able to have a booth at the trick or treat um, festival thing downtown on the river, and there were a couple people um who showed up and passed out candy for, like, literally four straight hours. And so I just want to take a moment. Sean is back there, and he got up this morning and is running Pro Presenter for us and helped us set up all the hospitality stuff. So he's back there in the back at the computer. Chris, David Allen was there helping us. Jana Tanner and her husband came and helped. And so I just want to thank those of you who were part of Shining Light and Igniting Change, um, being a part of a community event yesterday for Halloween. So thank you, thank you, thank you to those who, who helped With that, thank you, thank you, thank you. This morning we are going to continue our our series um, in order, and we're going to talk about um, something that I've actually um, struggled with some in my own life. We're going to talk about mental health and in what ways God cares about our mind and making sure that the things in our lives are in order. with our mental health. It's something that God cares about. It's not something we often talk about in churches, but at Horizon we want it to be something that we do talk about. My junior year in college I went to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill who happened to beat Duke University in football yesterday. Um, I may be married to a Duke fan so that is a significant thing that happened um, yesterday. Go Tar Heels! Um, Anyway, um, I loved UNC Chapel Hill. I loved my experience there But I went to school there from um, a high school that graduated 98 people a very rural small community and so transitioning from Sandy Ridge North Carolina to a big state university was a really difficult transition for me Um, by the third year by my third year my junior year there I remember being like overwhelmed I had just been putting out in the classroom, um, trying to be a part of volunteer and civic organizations. I was just like overwhelmed by doing all of this stuff. And my junior year, I was going to have to start declaring a major and figuring out what the next season of my life would look like and I became just completely overwhelmed with this fear that I was gonna fail out of college, that I was gonna fail at everything in life and I it was just absolutely overwhelming. I remember one night in the middle of the night I could not sleep. I brushed my teeth, I drank water, I wrote, I was pacing the hallway in my college apartment. I could not escape the fear and the anxiety that I was experiencing and so I went and got in my car at two o'clock in the morning and I just started driving. I just had to escape the the sort of opposite of the peace that I was experiencing. I just thought maybe in some way the dark car ride could give me some kind of peace and I'm driving, driving, driving through Chapel Hill and it, it dawned on me something's not right. Something is not okay. So I picked my phone up my cell phone up and I called my sister who was a freshman at East Carolina University, it's about an hour and a half away, and I said, Rebecca, I have never been so scared in my life, I don't know how I can even face tomorrow, I can't calm down. And my sister said, Erica, I think something's wrong, I I, I love you, I, I want the best for you, but I think you might need to get some help. And I said, I'm not getting any help. And Rebecca said, why don't I come in the morning and me and you can walk to the counseling center at Carolina. We can walk in together. And I said, I'm not walking in that place and being judged by those people. I'm not doing that. And there was a minute of silence. And my sister, who was probably annoyed that she was up at 2.15 in the morning talking to me on the phone, said, well, how's that working out for you? And if you know my sister, um, that is a very normal thing (laughs) for her to say. I I I called her for a reason, but there was some silence on the phone for a minute, and I said, "Okay, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna walk into the counseling center tomorrow, and I'm gonna ask for help. But if they judge me, I'm walking out." And Rebecca said, "You absolutely, you better walk out if they judge you." Um, But then, as we got off the phone, it was it was a long pause again because I was scared, and I realized I needed to actually go back to my apartment and get some sleep. And Rebecca almost whispered this last line. She said, I love you, Erica, and I just want you to be healthy. It was almost like a whisper on the phone. And so I went home. I crawled in the bed. I, did, I still didn't sleep well. But she called me the next morning at 730, and she said, where are you headed? I said, I'm headed in to the counseling center. And I drug my groggy, exhausted self in and said, I think I need some help to the counseling center. And it began a journey for me to find healing and health and hope and wholeness in the midst of anxiety we discovered that I was um, struggling with anxiety and it I'll be really honest with you it's something that I continue to struggle with it came up and felt, felt like it was just overwhelming me again in grad school again when I started a new church in Nashville it creeped in again when I had two children it creeped in again a couple months ago when we were about a year into starting Horizon. It's not something that has gone away, but it's something that I've realized God actually cares about with me. I've spent a lot of my life, right, thought, thinking about how much God cares about the community and how much God cares about justice, how much God cares about people who are hungry and homeless. And it has become really apparent to me in the last 10 years that God also cares about us and our mental health. And so that's why here at Horizon, we're not going to live in darkness and shame about that. We're not going to pretend like it doesn't exist. We're not going to sweep it under a rug and never talk about it. It's something that God cares about. God cares about your body. God cares about our community. God cares about the kids in our schools. He cares about B.T. Washington Elementary. He cares about a shining light and igniting change. But God cares desperately about your mental health. And because we are a we are people who follow this God. We care. The people in this room care about you and your experience with mental illness. I, I realized in the last um, few weeks just how important this series, this talking about this was a couple of months ago now. I was sitting at a mom's night out, and a woman shared that she was experiencing some like anxiety and panic attacks when she was a teenager. And the, she went to speak to her a person who was like in youth ministry with her and and some of the things that we've been told as we grow up can actually be harmful for us and i realized in that moment that there are lots of things horizon needs to be a part of and you all are a part of this right you all have to help be a part of helping to shine light and ignite change so that people aren't living in their in darkness about the experiences they're having with their mental health. It's something God cares about and it's something that I think we all should care about. Just so you kind of know the prevalence of mental health, one in four people um, will experience some kind of mental health issue in their life, one in four. So if you look around in this room, the odds are pretty high that several of us in this room have experienced that. In fact, Cheryl Crow, Lady Gaga, J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter, do we have any Harry Potter fans in the house? Um, they've all struggled with depression. Oprah Winfrey, um, Stephen Colbert, Adele have all admitted to struggling with anxiety all of us know someone. If, if we're not the person who's experiencing some kind of mental health issue, all of us know someone or are connected to someone who's experienced some kind of mental health issue. And so we're talking about this, more, this morning how God wants to use us to support one another even in the midst of these experiences. The saddest statistic that I read this week wasn't actually about depression or anxiety, but it was about the, the amount of people who actually seek help for what they are experiencing, only one in three people actually seek the help that they need. One in three people seek the help that they need. Of the people who seek the help that they need, 87% of them find ways to live more freely and abundantly and healthy. 87%, like that's a really good treatment rate. Um, But two out of three people don't even seek the help that they need. So this morning... I'm going to invite you to sort of experience this sermon in one of two ways. Some of you may be here this morning as a person who's experiencing mental health issues right now, and so I just want to hear—I just want you to hear some of the things that God offers to people, even in these pages of this Bible, who are experiencing some despair, some depression, anxiety. What it is that God offers to them, and if you are someone who's connected to someone, the, the chances are like 98% that you know someone who's struggling with some kind of mental health issue. So we're going to talk about how God wants to use you to shine light and ignite change this morning. So thank you for being here and thank you for letting me talk about this really, really important subject. Before I go any further, I want you all to hear me say this. If you don't hear me say anything else today, I want you to hear me say this. God uses people in mighty ways. Depression Anxiety, addiction, grief, any kind of mental health issue will not prevent God from using you to do the mighty work of God. God will use you to shine light and ignite change, not in spite of and not because of, but with the mental health experience that you are having God loves you deeply. You are a. Per- this is how you are defined. You are defined as a person who is loved deeply by God, who has a purpose for your life, period. God wants to use you in mighty ways. If you are in the depths of despair, if you are in the throes of addiction, if you are overwhelmed by anxiety or whatever else, I want you to hear me say this. God has used mighty people in these pages who have dealt with some of the exact same things. Moses, who led the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, and almost to the promised land, experienced some some anxiety, some things that look a lot like anxiety, facing like facing the future and having a million questions about it and almost being paralyzed and not able to move forward or face the future. Noah, who you know, the world was flooded and he saved all the animals. He, had a really, he made a really bad drinking decision and made some really bad decisions that hurt him and his family. And God still used him in mighty ways. Naomi was the mother-in-law of Ruth. She lost her, her husband and her, both of her sons. And even in the midst of her grief and her pain and her desperation, God used her in mighty ways. This morning we're going to talk about Jeremiah, who's a prophet. He did all these amazing and mighty things for God. And there's this point where he's just absolutely in the depths of despair and depression. And God still used Jeremiah in a powerful way. We're going to look at that this morning. I just want you to hear me say this. God can do mighty things with people who have anxiety or depression or addiction or grief or other mental health issues at work. God uses folks powerfully even in the experience that you are using, you are experiencing right now. If you have your Bible with with you, if you'll turn to Jeremiah chapter 20, we're going to look at verses 14 through 18 this morning. Um, The verses will be behind me on the, the screen. I just want you to listen to this before I get there. I I just want to tell you, Jeremiah has this call from God, this job from God to go tell these people what they need to be doing different, how they need to be living their lives differently. And people don't always take that news well. Um, They don't love to be, you know, have these, um, these teachings or these these visions of the future when it, it doesn't favor them or what they're currently doing. And so that was Jeremiah's job. Jeremiah was supposed to go in and tell these folks some things that they needed to be doing differently. And that did not work out well for Jeremiah. Um, so he's doing these things that God has asked him to do. And and it, it, he's getting, you know, sort of shunned. He got mocked. People have called him like, He got a a terrible nickname they called him. Here comes the wall of terror, like, coming this way. Like, that's not a nice thing to say about people. So people, like, didn't like that. They were starting to not like this guy. But Jeremiah, right, has anybody ever felt like this? Like, he felt like he was just doing what God asked him to do. Like, you asked me to come here and do this for these people, and they're not accepting me, and they don't like me, and they don't like what I'm doing, and I'm not finding any purpose or joy anymore in this job that you have given to me, God. And people hate me. I'm, like, all alone. All by myself and this is what he says um, to God he, he prays out to God cursed be the day I was born my, may the day my mother bore me not be blessed that's some serious stuff he's saying like this is a guy who is in the absolute depths of despair cursed be the man who brought my father the news who made him very glad saying a child is born to you a son May that man be like the towns the Lord overthrew without pity. May he hear wailing in the morning, a battle cry at noon. For he did not kill me in the womb with my mother as my grave, her womb enlarged forever. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? This is a guy who's experienced the pits of despair who absolutely does not want to go on any further. Did you hear that to see why did you, why have I been born to just see all this trouble and sorrow and to end all my days in shame? Anybody here ever felt like ever felt like that? This is what I began to notice. The first thing I noticed about Jeremiah's story is before he got there there, was, there were these things going on in his life. First of all, he was all by himself because all these people were shouting terrible things at him. They nicknamed him something terrible. They have told him to get out of town. They're mocking him. They're making fun of him. All this stuff that's coming into Jeremiah is absolutely tearing him down. And so for those of us experiencing some kind of mental health issue, this was just a red flag for me this week. Pay attention to the input. What's coming in to your life? Who's speaking to you? Is it constantly negative things surrounding you? What are you eating and drinking and listening to and spending your time um, taking in to your body? What does your input look like? Are there some red flags that you might need? to to wave. I know in my own struggle with anxiety, I've had to look at that. What, What am I spending all my time to do? I currently don't have Facebook or Instagram on my phone because scrolling through that was just creating some anxiety in my life. And so just pay attention to the things that you are putting in your life. Do they raise some red flags that you might need some help to reach out to a counselor or a doctor or someone to help you out? So pay attention to the input. The second thing is pay attention to your output. He does not want to go to work, he does not want to get out of bed, and he does not want to continue living his life this way. Pay attention to the output. It will often give us a red flag. If things are no longer enjoyable, if you don't want to live life anymore, that might be a red flag that you need to have something, some kind of help or intervention. So just pay attention to the red flags. And for those of you who find yourselves supporting someone with some kind of mental health experience, how can you help them begin to understand their input and their output? The last thing people need are parents telling them what to do. Do not tell them you should eat this and drink this. That's a recipe for a toxic and terrible friendship. Maybe don't do that but what does it look like to say hey have you paid attention to all this stuff that you're inputting have you paid attention to the way that your output or your your work looks because this is what this is what friends don't do right i don't think friends say this is what you should do they they don't need you to be fixed or be just like they want them but friends care deeply about you so they care enough about you not to stick their head in a hole in the ground and pretend like nothing is wrong if you're a friend and you're beginning to notice some of these things, how can you speak in love and truth that that maybe they need some help? How can you say, I, I'm not sure what you're doing is working for you anymore. Is there some way that I can help you? How could God use you? As a friend or a a supporter to shine light and ignite change in the lives of someone else. Something I don't have time to talk about this morning, but if you find yourself in that situation, do some work on your boundaries, how to set some healthy boundaries and stuff in your life, because that will help you be a really good friend too. There there are all kinds of organizations um, that can help you with that. So I just encourage you, pay attention to your input, your output, and where there are red flags. And if you're supporting someone, if you know someone who's also maybe experiencing, some kind of mental illness or mental health experience, how can you help them understand their input and their output and where there are some red flags or how they might need to get some help? The second thing that I noticed about Jeremiah is he's all by himself. He has nobody around him. And this is what I began to hear this week. As I I read about and studied about, I even sat down with a mental health counselor and talked through some of this parts of, of the sermon. And mental illness Mental health experience issues thrive in isolation and darkness. In the same way that flu wreaks havoc in a, in a body that doesn't have a good immune system, hasn't been sleeping well, doesn't have enough vitamin C, in the same exact way that flu can just re- wreak havoc in your body, mental illness, mental health issues, depression and anxiety thrive in isolation and darkness. They thrived when Jeremiah felt alone, and isolated from everyone around him. The depression, the depressive experience that he was experiencing, it it thrived. It began to really expand and be even bigger than than he knew. Mental health issues thrive in isolation and darkness. And so this is the the hardest thing that I did. Um, One of of the hardest things I've ever done in my life was pick up my phone and call my sister and say, I I think I need help. I, I don't think something is right. And in that moment, right, I began to invite someone else into this, and I was no longer alone. It gave me the courage to go and to find some help. And so this morning, I I want you to know that, that this might be part of who God is calling you to be. The other thing that I noticed about Jeremiah is that his, he kept talking to God, right? He didn't say polite, nice things to God. He said, bless, like, curse be the day that I was born. Like, this wasn't a polite, nice thing to say to God. It, it is, God, I am not doing okay. But he was brave enough to continue to connect to God, to continue talking to God. And so if you're having a mental health issue or experience, continue to try to connect to God, continue to try to cry out or reach out to God because faith is about connection and the opposite of isolation is connection. And it's faith, this belief that if I keep crying out, even if it's not the perfect prayer, even if I'm not saying the perfect thing, somehow I have a connection to something bigger than me. A God who recognizes I can't manage this any longer on my own and wants to order my life in a way that gives me abundance and freedom. What does it look like for you to have a faith that connects to God? And our faith, especially here at Horizon, a faith in God is never separate from experiencing the life and the beauty of community. That's why we're that we believe in God and God has created us to be a community of people who support and surround one another. Faith is about connection to God and to community. And our faith our, our persistence to keep connecting to God even when it doesn't feel like it is. It, it is is Something that automatically works against some of the things with mental health. Now, I want you to hear me say this disclaimer. A faith in God is not going to prevent you from ever experiencing depression or anxiety or other mental health addiction. Faith in God does not prevent you from experiencing that. But faith in God can provide a connection even in the midst of that really hard experience so that you may begin to find hope and healing and wholeness even in the midst of it. I I noticed... This last thing that, that Jeremiah did, so the first thing he did was pay attention to his imp- that we can learn from his story, is pay attention to the input and the output. The second thing is about faith. Just keep connecting to God, even if it doesn't have to be polite or perfect. Just keep trying to connect to God. Be honest and be real. And the third thing is place the things that we struggle with in front of God. I don't have a scientific dissertation for why this works, but there's some way that when we take the darkness and the pain in our lives and we, we just say, God, like, here it is, God shines light on that darkness and begins, we can begin to experience hope. It doesn't mean poof, everything's fine. I kept reading in Jeremiah, and after this moment, after this moment where he puts in front of God, I'm desperate, and I don't want to, I just don't even know what to do anymore, God. There, there becomes this moment in the story where something really powerful intervenes. Hope. It doesn't say, and then hope showed up. That's not how it like, looks in the Bible. But what you begin to see is that Jeremiah can begin to look towards the future with some kind of hope. He begins to think about the next day or the next things that are coming in life, with, with not, not with dread, but with some kind of hope. Because he placed the things that he struggled with in front of God. Because this is what God does so well As God shines light and ignites change on those dark and hard and low and and terrible things we bring to God. God shines light and ignites change. It doesn't have to be this way forever. That doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. That doesn't mean everything's going to be successful. That's not what happened with Jeremiah. But there in the place of darkness, there was some kind of light and some kind of change. Hope and love showed up and it changed everything. And here's the deal, folks. If you're supporting someone who's experiencing this, God calls us to be people who shine light and ignite change in the darkness. Somebody might just need to say to you, I'm struggling with this. I need to bring it out into the light. And we are called to help be people of God who shine light and ignite change too. I I said that there's not this like sentence after Jeremiah 20 that says hope showed up and everything changed. That the, the Bible doesn't, it doesn't say that explicitly. And as I read it and read it and read it, I was like, God, how? I'm like Okay, I've got three points for this week. Thank you for those. But how do I give hope to these people who feel like God's not speaking? Who feel like Jeremiah, who say, God, are you even listening to me? What do we offer to those people? And as I kept reading in Jeremiah 20, this is, this is what I found. That God does something that God has done in my own life. God speaks in the silence. There wasn't a sentence God, hope and love showed up. God brought hope and love. Instead, you start to read and you you, you begin to recognize God was doing something all along. Can we begin to trust that God speaks and moves? in silence my favorite story in the Bible is one of Elijah who also is prophet he was called to do this really hard work he was doing all this stuff and he goes out in the wilderness to connect to God and he's standing out in the wilderness and he's like God speak I I can't hear you I don't know what you're saying can you please speak to me and he's standing out in the wilderness and he's like God speak God speak and this this huge wind came through and Elijah's like standing there like okay God, are you gonna speak, are you gonna move? What are you doing? How are you making sense of all this stuff that I've had to do for the last 20 years? And there's just a wind and that's all it is. And he's like, can you please make sense of that? And Elijah's standing there in the wilderness and there's an earthquake, an earth-shattering experience. Anybody had an earth-shattering experience? And he's standing there and he's like, God, like, can you make sense of this terrible like, tragedy, this calamity? Can you, make, can you make some kind of sense of this for me? And he's standing there like, speak, God, move, God, where are you in this God? And he hears silence. And then this fire comes in and and it it just roars through the wilderness. It's destroying all the things that he can see. The vision, everything he sees in the future just feels like it's like consumed and and gone away, destroyed by this fire. And he's standing there and he's like, God, are you going to speak? Are you going to move? Where are you, God? And there was nothing. And he kept standing there in silence, in stillness. And you know what Elijah heard? He heard a whisper. God said, what are you doing, Elijah? How is it with your soul, Elijah? In the midst of the silence, there was a whisper. Someone who was longing to hear God speak and move didn't see this earth-shattering, all-consuming experience. He heard the loving gentle whisper of God, say, what are you doing, Elijah? God might as well have said, I care about you, Elijah. My mom's divorce was finalized when I was four and my sister was two. And she tells this story about after the divorce, the day after it was finalized, she was laying in the bed, not wanting to get up. She's like, I do not want to get up. She Her prayer that night probably looked a lot like Jeremiah's. Are you listening, God? I have these two young girls. I'm just a teacher. Can you tell me how I'm going to make it? I don't know what the future is going to look like, and I don't want to get out of this bed. And my mom says that she rolls over. And she looks over, and my sister is standing there. She's just over two. My sister didn't talk a whole lot. In fact, the doctors were a little worried about her. And Mom said she could just see, like, the little bit of her eyes hanging over the corner of the bed. And my mom, and my mom said that Rebecca looked at her and says, Mama, how are you doing? And it sounded like a whisper in the midst of a really earth-shattering, fire-consuming experience. I care about you, Mama. Is God whispering to some of you, and you're not still and silent and quiet enough to hear that God may not change the entire situation of your circumstances, but can you hear God say, what are you doing? I care about you. And for those of you who really want to support someone who's experiencing some kind of mental health issue or despair, can you let God use you as a whisper? How are you doing? I care about you. Here's the deal. Usually at Horizon, this is the way I work. I love like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and thanking the teachers. I love this big community change. But this morning, folks, here at Horizon, we're called to do something really powerful. We're called to shine light and ignite change in the lives of people who need you to whisper, I care about you and I love you. God needs us to be people who shine light and ignite change in that way this week. And some of you, I hope you can be still and quiet enough this morning to hear God whisper to you, I love you and I care about you. Will you pray with me? God, this morning, I just offer up to you folks who are experiencing any kind of mental health issue we thank you for counselors and medicine and for people who help help people to experience wholeness and health, health even in the midst of, of their brains being sick. God, we we pray for those of us in this room that are experiencing those. Will will you just begin to provide some hope and some healing and some wholeness? And God, we also pray that you will use each of us to whisper in the darkness and the despair, to shine light and ignite change. Use us this morning, God. We love you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Horizon Church Podcast. If you are in the Tampa area, consider joining us one Sunday. You can also be a part of Shining Light and Igniting Change by financially supporting the ministries of Horizon Church at horizontampabay.com slash giving. Thank you again for joining us